You may be seated. It's my uh, delight and, and pleasure to welcome to our pulpit the Reverend Canon Dr. Bill Henry. Uh, Canon Bill is the canon to the ordinary for the Anglican Diocese uh, of Pittsburgh. Uh, the ordinary is the bishop, the diocesan bishop, because he does the ordaining and puts things into order uh, within the diocese. And the canon to the ordinary helps put things in order. He's sort of the bishop's uh, a key assistant, executive assistant, a key right-hand man. And uh, it's great to have him with us to, to visit our annual meeting, which we had before this service, and to share God's word with us. So thanks for being with us, Ken and Bill. Yes, thank you. James, that was one of the best explanations of <laughs> what the heck I do, I've heard. Let's pray. Father, this morning we want to thank you so, so much for your holy word. And as we dig into it a little bit here this morning, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would allow us as the body of Christ gathered and us as individuals to be able to hear your word clearly, to understand it, to think through it well, and that it might, by your grace, enter into our hearts, enter into us as your living word today. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, James, thank you so much. It is my great honor and privilege to be able to travel from Pittsburgh up here to Chicago. I traveled in yesterday, I'm going home tonight. But it's great to be able to come and be with you and spend time with you. I'll be here for the annual meeting. It's been just wonderful to put perspective to what I've known about All Souls Church and be able to be here and worship with you today. I want to tell you a little bit more about myself as a lead-in to what I would like to talk about today. I've had a great, great privilege of being in ordained ministry for 25 years. And I've served in three different dioceses, Episcopal, Anglican diocese. I've served with and under four different, very different rectors. And I learned about midway through these 25 years that God's given me gifts to be a supporting person for strong leaders. And because of that, I've been a career assistant. I've served at, as an associate on these, at these three different churches. And last year, early last year, I heard about and applied for and was hired as the canon to the ordinary. So I'm taking my gifts and my experience in 25 years of ministry and now supporting Alec, our diocesan bishop. Now it's been a pretty significant shift for me within our diocese because I had served in the same parish for the last 17 years. Over those years, I've established a really good relationship with the clergy of the diocese who I see as my peers and that's changed to some degree with my new position. And so shortly after I started, I went to my new boss, Bishop Alec, and I asked him what I thought was a really important question. What's my authority? And how do I exercise whatever authority I have? And he gave me a really good two-part answer. He said, Bill, sometimes you will carry my authority. You will speak for me. You will be my representative, like an ambassador. And so from time to time, I will delegate my authority to you and you will represent me. But he said, most of the time, I want you to really work hard on building relational authority. And I've really taken that to heart because it really speaks to my personal giftedness. In other words, continue to build on the established relationships that you already have. Continue to build greater and greater trust. Build up that relational authority. In our gospel reading today, 
that Rob just read from Mark chapter 1, we see the authority of Jesus, and it is on display. And it's on display in his words, his spoken word, and in his deeds, how he acts within this reading. And so from it, today's gospel reading, I want to think through three questions. First, how did Jesus exercise his authority? What did he do as he exercised authority? Second, how did the people who were present respond to his authority? And then third, looking at this text, I want to shift it to us. How can we submit to Jesus's authority? What can we learn from this that would help us understand how to do that? So we right now find ourselves in the midst of the season of epiphany. And if you follow our lectionary readings, the last couple of weeks in the gospel readings, two weeks ago in John's gospel, last week in Mark, we had accounts of the calling of the disciples. So the disciples, they're meeting Jesus, and as they encounter him, they begin to have these epiphany moments. It's, it's as though they see this unique person, and the light bulb goes on as they experience him, an epiphany. In this week's gospel reading, The disciples, here's an account of the disciples beginning to experience the person they were called to follow, experience him more fully. And specifically, they saw, heard, and experienced his authority. Now, this took place early in Mark's gospel. This was not long after the account of Jesus' baptism and his temptation, both of which are significant to today's reading, and we'll come back to both. Baptism and temptation. But let's start by looking at today's reading. This is Mark chapter 1. I want to look first at verses 21 and 22. Here's what Mark writes. And they, that's Jesus and the disciples, went into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he, Jesus, entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they, the people, were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. So here's these newly called disciples of Jesus, and now they're traveling with him. And they come to this town, and Jesus is invited to be the guest preacher in the local synagogue. Mark provides no content. We have no idea what Jesus said. We are told the people's response, though, to whatever Jesus said. And Mark writes, they were astonished. If we're going to use terms that we would use in English today, it was though they were blown away by what Jesus said. And the reason, Mark tells us, Jesus was different than their regular teachers. And they're named, it's the scribes, the legal experts of the day, those who knew God's law, the Torah, really well. And they also had begun to bring in their interpretation of God's law. So some human rules on top of God's law. They had become the experts in telling people what to do and what not to do. And they carried authority. The question is, how well did they carry this authority that had been delegated to them? Well, once Jesus got to know them better, he describes it. This is Matthew chapter 23. He says to the people, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, a place of authority. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. 
So from Jesus' lips, we learn that the legal experts didn't seem to carry authority very well. Jesus describes them as being hypocrites. The people saw Jesus the day in our, our gospel reading, and they saw that he was different. Whatever he said, and we don't know, carried a different authority. It garnered respect, authority in his words. What Jesus said, the people were blown away by it. But there's more. Here's verses 23 through 26. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. Now I'm using the ESV translation. He calls it an unclean spirit. But let's, this is an evil spirit. This is a satanic spirit. This is a spirit that entered this man's body, made a home there, controlled him, and spoke to Jesus from this man directly. And what's clear in what the spirit says is that he understood two things really clearly. First, he knew that Jesus's purpose in coming included destroying him and other evil spirits. Jesus had come to defeat and destroy evil, to strip evil of its power. And second, the evil spirit understood Jesus's identity very clearly, the Holy One of God. That's insight. Now go back to the context I mentioned, Jesus's baptism and temptation. In his baptism that had just taken place, we learn Jesus's identity. Jesus comes to be baptized. Suddenly there's a voice from heaven. God says, this is my beloved son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And the Holy Spirit falls on Jesus. You have this beautiful Trinitarian moment, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working in beautiful unity together. But Jesus is identified as the Holy One of God, incarnate, the Christ. And then in his temptations, Jesus is cast out into the desert. Angels minister to him. Three times he's tempted by Satan. And all three times, what does he do? He answers the temptation with God's holy word. Jesus uses God's word to exercise his power over evil. Now bring that and come back to our reading today. We see more words plus action. Jesus says to the evil spirit, be silent. Again, if we're going to use words from today, he said, shut up. My word, not your word. And then come out of him. Jesus exercises his power. He displays his power and authority over Satan with this command. The result? There is only one thing that's possible. Submission to a higher authority. Now, the evil spirit gives a bit of resistance, thrashes the guy around a bit, attempt to injure him, but is cast out. So Jesus acted in both word and deeds. He exercised his authority. Right now, how did the people respond in the rest of the reading? Here's verse 27. And they, the people, were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? 
a new teaching with authority. He commands even unclean spirits, and they obey him. Now, the word here translated in the ESV is amazed. It's a different word than the word astonished in verse 22. This word implies fear or alarm. It goes beyond just being blown away. This is now a little bit scary. And it's not surprising. Jesus is engaging evil. And for most of the people, they just really didn't have much of a frame of reference for what they just witnessed. And you hear it in their words. What is this? It's a little bit scary. The great British author C.S. Lewis illustrated this characteristic of Jesus really well in his Narnia Chronicles. In the first, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, one of the children named Susan had a conversation with Mr. Beaver about this Jesus character in the story, and it's Aslan, the lion. And here's the conversation. Mr. Beaver says, Aslan is a lion, the lion the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. The people present that day really didn't understand who Jesus was. They really didn't understand what his presence meant, but they recognized powerful authority when they saw it. And the way it was exercised was for them a little scary. But the people who hung in there with Jesus, who continued to follow him, they would experience, see more. They would learn this man Jesus was good. He was a very good man. Sometimes what happened around him could be a little scary. But this was a man who carried his powerful authority really, really well. So there's the story from the text. Now let's think about, for our last couple of minutes, let's think about how can or how should we submit to the authority of Jesus? In other words, how do we apply this to our own lives? Well, I think it's really important to begin by knowing who it is that we submit to. And we have this wonderful blessing of having more information than the people of that day. We have a much fuller picture. We have the cross of Jesus Christ. We we can see, we have in front of us, every time we come to worship, the cross. And you guys have this, you know the song, Rugged Cross? You guys have a rugged cross that's up front every week. That's the symbol of the full and complete defeat of evil. It's Jesus on the cross in his words. It is finished. That phrase means a lot of things. But one of the things it means very clearly is the power of evil is finished. It's been defeated in Jesus. And we also have more information in that we know the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There we see his power and authority on full display, his power over and defeat of death, his authority to grant life, full and abundant life in this life that we live and eternal life forever. That's who we submit ourselves to 
as followers of Jesus. And so knowing that, then think about how can we live that out? What does that look like practically for us as we walk through the days of our lives? How do we submit to his authority? There's another image of Jesus that I really love. It's his own image. It's when he describes himself as the good shepherd. Now, when I came here to All Souls, I had no idea that I'd be standing in the pulpit and be able to look up at this beautiful mural on your back wall that is the good shepherd image. When you walk out of church every week, I want to encourage you to look up and say, this is who I follow. There is the good shepherd. And listen to some of the words that Jesus used when he described himself as the good shepherd and us as his sheep. He said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus describes this great gift that we have to be known and to know Jesus. And that tells us he desires to be in relationship with you and me. It means that he loves us. It means that he loves you. And because of that, we as his sheep, we can listen to his voice. It's part of what we're doing in this service today. By hearing God's holy word. By encountering God in the sacrament. By coming before him in prayer. It's an exchange. We're getting to know him better and he gets to know us as we encounter him. And therefore, as we leave this place, we can follow his lead in life. And from these words of the good shepherd, we can live with confidence. We are secure in his hands. No one will snatch us away. And so out of today's reading, I hope you can see so, so clearly that Jesus is worthy of our submission. That he's worthy to be submitted to his authority because he is good, very good. He is our good shepherd. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.